This is a talk on assurance based on, uh, well, based on a chapter of a book written by John Owen. Psalm 130 says, Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, that you may be feared. Many Christians, at one point or another, have a struggle with assurance. Questions will buzz through their hearts and heads. Am I saved? Am I really a Christian? Are my sins forgiven? Does God really love me? How can he love me when I've done that? And we're thrown into the depths of Psalm 130. Not, not all Christians have this experience. Some, some have rock-solid assurance that God loves them and they are saved all their lives and we rejoice with those people. But at one time or another, I think it is likely either we will go through the depths or have to walk alongside someone who is in them. And they really are depths for Christians. For a Christian, their most important and secure relationship is with the Lord. For them to lose certainty that God loves them is depths. John Owen writes, the design of the Holy Spirit in Psalm 130 was to express and represent in the person and condition of the psalmist the case of a soul entangled and ready to be overwhelmed with the guilt of sin, but who is then brought out and relieved by discovery of grace and forgiveness in God. Paraphrasing verse 1 and 2 of the psalm, he writes, O Lord, though my, through my manifold sins and provocations I've brought myself into great distresses, my iniquities are always before me, and I am ready to be overwhelmed with them as with a flood of waters. But then, then he goes on in verse 4 to say, You have made a way to love sinners in the mediation and blood of your dear Son, that they have assured foundation of concluding that there is pardon and forgiveness with you for them. So I just want to be clear as we, so we set out on this. Uh, this is not a talk about finding comfort in grief or strength in suffering. Though those these things may link in and oftentimes, oftentimes I sound like a yank, do I? Um, often it's the case we're in the depths, not only because we've sinned, but also because we're suffering. Uh, and there's all sort of mixes up there. But, but, but this is a talk primarily for, for someone who feels lost in their sin to find assurance. I just want to stress that because Owen is about to offer us medicine and we need to know what the medicine is for. It's not for finding comfort in grief or strength in suffering. It is for finding assurance in the depths. Now, um, now th this talk is based on a chapter of a book of John Owen. John Owen has written in the version I have a 400 page book on assurance based on Psalm 130. It, it just continues, doesn't it? I write a 3000 word sermon on a psalm. He writes a 400 page book, but there, you know, there we are. And um, it, but to help those struggling with assurance to find peace once again. In his book, Owen gives 11 rules to help believers uh, do so. Sorry, it's a chapter of the book that has this. And it's kind of his application. These rules are to persuade with souls more or less entangled in the depths of sin to close with his forgiveness by believing to their peace and consolation. They are, if I'm in the depths, what can I do to come out of them? What can I do? 
and um, and he gives eleven rules. And and for and I want to run through them with you now. And I, 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 my prayer is that they will be helpful to us and people we love when we go through this experience. For for, for time's sake, I'm I'm going to jump over a couple of them, uh, but I'll do my best to convey them as accurately as I can. So, rules to find gospel peace. Number one, let Christ be your judge. Be not judges, writes Owen, of your own condition, but let Christ judge. You are invited to take the comfort of this gospel truth that there is forgiveness with God, but you say not so for you. So said Jacob, my way is hid from the Lord. And Zion said, so too, the Lord has forsaken me and the Lord has forgotten me. But did they make a right judgment of themselves? We find in those cases that God was otherwise minded. What he's saying here is one of the reasons that that Christians come into the depths and they, they kind of spiral down is they make a false judgment of their own condition and they believe that judgment more than they believe God's word. The voice in their head is louder than the voice of scripture. We tell ourselves I'm doomed God's word says there is forgiveness with him. He says, look, Jacob did that. He said, my way was hid from the Lord. Zion did that. I am forsaken. They were wrong. Let's not, like them, despair on our own mistakes. Owen points out here, there's a, there's a kind of madness about sin, and, and it makes us think all the wrong things. So sin and an unbeliever, it's just, I, I don't know if you've had this experience, but you speak to some unbelievers and they, and they are absolutely convinced that they're going to go to heaven. They haven't trusted Jesus, but they know they're good people. They're going to go to heaven. Sin whispers in their hearts, peace, peace, when they're on the broad road of destruction. You want to say, no, look, you've got to listen. You've got to trust in Jesus. But it also works the other way around. So you have some Christians who you look at them and you're like, wow, like I can really see the, the work of the Spirit in your life. But the voice in their head is going, I'm doomed, I'm doomed, I'm doomed. And God is with them. Owen says, look, you get the same in Revelation. So there's the church of Laodicea. We are rich. Jesus says, you're poor. And there was the church in Smyrna, poor, but Jesus says, you're rich. And so, so the first rule is this, don't pass judgment on yourself. Examine yourself. The Bible commands us to do that. Sometimes we must examine ourselves to see if there's fruits of the Spirit within us. But, but let Jesus and his word judge your condition. Let the voice of Scripture be louder than the voice of your head. And what you'll find in Scripture is promise after promise of forgiveness to those who come to God through Jesus Christ. Uh, and he, he, let me point out one other thing in this world. He says, a man's judgment upon his own reasonings is seldom true, more seldom permanent. So that's the first one. Let Christ judge you. Number two. Expect to carry hell in one hand and heaven in the other. Now, this is really important. So, um, and it was particularly important at the time, I think. I, I might, may need to be corrected if I'm wrong about this. But I think there was a sense back then that unless you were sure that you were saved, like you had a sense of God's forgiveness and you were, you were in the heights, as it were, maybe you weren't, you, you, 
unless you were there, maybe you weren't saved at all. And and Owen here is just like, let let's lay out what what does it feel like to be a Christian? And he says it, it's like having heaven in one hand and hell in the other. So he says, let me put it like this: a, a deep sense of guilt of our own sin goes can go hand in hand with gospel assurance of acceptance with God through Christ. What, what's, what does the Spirit do in a believer's life? Well, one thing they do, he does is he, he pours God's love into our hearts. The, another thing he does, like with Nathan to David, is he says, you're the man. You're a sinner. Let me point out your sin to you. And we feel awful for our sin, but that doesn't mean we need to doubt God's forgiveness of our sin because the very reason he points it out is so that he may forgive it. A deep sense of sorrow for sin can go hand in hand in gospel assurance. Godly sorrow, mourning, contriteness of spirit. Owen writes, are no less gospel graces and fruits of the Holy Spirit's work in our life than faith itself and are consistent with the highest flourishings of faith. In other words, if you mourn over your sin and you're and it that starts to make you think you can't be a Christian, well, it is a very Christian thing to do, to mourn over your sin. And he writes, it's the work of heaven and not the assurance of it to wipe all tears from our eyes. He says a deep sense of the power of sin is consistent with gospel assurance. It goes hand in hand, or it can do. But when we are so frustrated because we keep doing the things that we hate and we feel, we just feel that the sin is so strong within us, well, Again, that's a very Christian feeling to think. Paul, Paul talked about that in Romans 7. But he said there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. He's saying let's get our expectations right. We expect to carry in this life, heaven in one hand, the knowledge of forgiveness and God's love, and hell in another, a sense of our sin and sorrow for it and the power of it, longing that it would be that it be gone and one day it will. If we just have sorrow and don't believe in forgiveness, well then we will tend to be a legalist trying to earn God's favor and that's, that's disaster. But he says, on the other hand, if you, if you just have assurance of forgiveness and never mourn for your sin, well then that's sort of presumptuous and that, that can be dangerous too. Gospel assurance and gospel sorrow may well dwell in the, may well dwell in the same heart at the same time. He says, I'm persuaded, actually, that generally they mourn most who have most assurance. In other words, Christ, we say, the, the refrain of a Christian is, I'm a great sinner, but Christ is a great saviour. Rule number three, wait. Whatever your condition be and your apprehension, your fear of it, wait for a better time and give, don't give up through weariness or impatience. The, the psalmist says in verse 5, he says, I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I hope, my soul waits for the Lord more than watchman for the morning. More than watchman for the morning. What Owen's pointing out here is that it is in the end God who throws, who casts a believer into the depths. So if you listen to the talk on the Father's love, you remember, will God ever remove his love from a Christian? No, never. But he may remove a sense of his love. God loves the sinner, the, the Christian, but he doesn't love their sinning. 
And one of the ways he helps us change is by removing a sense of his love from us so that we repent of our sin and turn back to him for forgiveness. The point he's making here there is if it is the will of God to throw you into the depths, it is God who can bring you out again. That doesn't mean you can't do anything. He writes these rules because you can, but but in the end, you must wait for God to work. And, and waiting also doesn't mean do nothing. It means, it means doing Psalm 130 verse 1. It means, out of the depths, I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. And, he, and he's saying, if you, if you wait, pleading with God, not giving up through weariness or impatience, not, not falling asleep on the job, or giving up and going back to your house, if you wait like a watchman for the morning, God will assure you in the end. And um, Owen inserts a lovely little interpretation here of Psalm 97, 11. It says, light is sown for the righteous and gladness for the upright in heart. And he says, look, does a, does a farmer, after he casts his seed into the earth, immediately expect it will be harvest? Does he think to reap as soon as he has sown? Does he immediately say, I've labored in vain if a crop doesn't spring up? No, he waits. So is light sown for them in darkness, waiting, pleading with God for mercy, seeking to trust Jesus to save us, is the way to establishment and assurance. Rule number four, this one we'll just do briefly, search out sin, in other words, if it is sin that drags us into these kind of depths, remember this is a particular remedy for a particular problem, search them out, repent of them. Seeing, he writes, seeing in the course of our obedience and believing that which is chiefly incumbent on us. Oh, I have not read that very well. We will, we will skip that because I don't think I can read that properly. Basically he's saying, if, it, if it's sin that drags us in, Let's search out sin. Let's see if there's any sins on our conscience that we haven't repented of, that we haven't said sorry for, and come to God with them. And uh, this chimes with Psalm 32. When I covered up my sin, your hand was heavy upon me. I wasted away through my groaning all day long, and I said I will confess my sin to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my guilt. So search out sin. Fifthly, distinguish between faith and feeling. This is very helpful. He says, if we believe no more of God, of his love or his grace, of our acceptance with him, then we have a spiritually affecting sense of, in other words, that we kind of experience personally, we shall be at a loss. Let me, let me, let me just put that again. He's saying, if you only think you're forgiven, when you feel forgiven, you will often be lost. He says, sensible impressions from God's love are great springs of joy, but they are not absolutely necessary to peace, nor to an evidence that we do believe. You, you don't need to have a sense of God's forgiveness to be forgiven. To sense it is a great joy, but it is not necessary to forgiveness. He writes, grace in general may be referred to two heads. All God does for us, you can kind of refer it to these, our acceptance with God through Christ, number one. Number two, sanctification from God in Christ. Of each of these, there is a spiritual sense or experience to be obtained, as in we feel 
accepted and we and we feel the work of the spirit making us holy but both are to be distinguished from faith that gives us a real interest in forgiveness and so here is Owen's advice you are therefore to receive forgiveness by a pure act of believing and don't think that it is not in you unless you have a sense of it in your hearts see in the meantime that your faith brings forth obedience and God in due time will cause it to bring forth peace. Keep believing. Keep trusting in Jesus. Let it bring forth obedience in your life. And soon will God, God will give you a sense of peace. So distinguish between faith and feeling. Sixth, do not mix foundation and building work. Now this is a big, this is like an extended illustration. He says, in this illustration, our foundation is dealing with God and Christ alone. Like, How do we come to be saved? Well, we trust in Jesus alone, mere grace and pardon in him. So our justification, in other words, is what he's talking about here. Our, our being made right with God is Christ's work and not ours. Our building on top of that foundation is in by holiness and obedience. It's Christ's work in us, but it is our work too that we we fight our sin and we bring forth the fruits of the Spirit and, uh, and we build on the foundation. Now, some are all their days laying of the foundation and are never able to build upon it any comfort to themselves or usefulness to others. And the reason is because they are mixing in with the foundation stones that are only fit for the following building. They will be bringing their obedience, duties, mortification of sin and the like to the foundation. These are precious stones. But the foundation to be laid is the mere grace, mercy and pardon in the blood of Christ. Do you see what he's saying here? He's saying, maybe you don't have assurance because you've been looking to the wrong thing to assure you. Maybe you're looking to your holiness, your obedience, your duties, which are precious things, but not the reasons we're saved not the foundation, and we need to turn and trust in the Lord Jesus alone. He says, if anything of our own be mixed with grace in this matter, in the foundation, it utterly destroys the nature of grace, which if it be not alone, it be not at all. You may just be in the depths, he's saying, because in the end you've been trying to justify yourself all this time you, you've said Jesus saves you, but really you have been trying to save yourself. And we've got to stop that. Owen says the life of a believer is to first take up mercy, pardon and forgiveness absolutely on the account of Christ. And then to yield all obedience in the strength of Christ. Check you've got it the right way around. And if you haven't, What's the remedy? Well, not to despair. It's to go to the Lord Jesus and start again and trust in him. Let it get go of all former endeavours. If it had been engaged in any of that kind, if you've been trying to put the building in the foundation and let it adhere, let it stick to mere grace, mercy and pardon. Seventh, and this one's a good one, and it's not very modern and it flies in the face of what I naturally think, and it is, get up, <laughs> get up, and it's very good. 
when we are low, I, I don't know about you, but when I'm low, what I want is sympathy and comfort. When I'm feeling miserable and I'm worries me, what I want is a warm pat on the back, a cup of hot chocolate, and for people to say, don't worry, Ed, we love you and God loves you. And that, friends, we're talking about if I'm suffering and if I'm grieving, maybe that is a very, very, very helpful thing to do for me. But if I'm in the depths for my sin, I need to get up. Owen says, look, look, what does David do when he's in the depths? Psalm 42, he says, why are you cast down, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. As God said to Joshua and Achan had sinned, get up. Why do you lie on your face? In other words, do you think to mend your condition by wishing it better or complaining it is so bad? And this, this is the line he's saying, are your complaints of want of an interest in forgiveness a sanctified means of attaining it? What, what he's saying is, this is the question. Is complaining that you don't feel forgiven the way to find a feeling of forgiveness or forgiveness itself? No. No. It is not one of the means God gives. You know, do you, do you do that with yourself? And he gives an illustration. Do you do that with yourself and things natural and civil? You know, if you've got an illness, do you just lie on your face and say, woe is me? Well, maybe if the illness means that, but, but if it's not that bad, you get up. You take a paracetamol, you call the doctor, you do what you can to alleviate the problem. You will take an industrious course, he says, for a remedy, for your relief. In the things of smallest importance in this world and to this life, you will not content yourself with wishing and complaining. So, if industry in the use of natural means for the attaining of natural ends is the ordinance of God, so is diligence in the use of spiritual means for the obtaining of spiritual ends. What are you saying? What I'm saying is, if we're in the depths because of our sin, what does the scripture say we need to do? It doesn't say we need to, simply say we need to lie on our faces voicing our complaints. It says much more than that. It says, I mean, Owen says, look, it says the violent take the kingdom of heaven. He says, apply this to your condition. Are you in depths and doubts, staggering and uncertain, not knowing what is your condition, not whether you have any interest in the forgiveness that is in God? Are you tossed up and down between hopes and fears? Do you want peace, consolation and establishment? Don't lie on your faces. Get up, watch, pray, fast, meditate, offer violence to your lust and corruptions, Press to the throne of grace by prayers, supplications, restless requests. This is the way to take the kingdom of heaven. He says these things, they are not peace. They are not assurance. But they are the means that God has appointed for the attainment of assurance and peace. Get up. Do the things that will help you find it. The, the things that God has told you will help you find it. Most of all, crying out to him, saying, please have mercy on me. Number eight, guard your thoughts of God. Take heed in doubt. 
distresses and perplexities of hard thoughts of God, hasty, unweighed expression concerning him or his ways. This is kind of like the first rule, but the other way around. So in the first rule, it's don't make a judgment on yourself. This rule is don't make a judgment on God. Owen says, you know, it's particularly tempting, and it really is, friends, isn't it? When we are, when we are in deep distresses, or if we've been in a long, wearisome road, and we can start to think like Job, you know, is it good that you should oppress, that you should despise the work of your hands? Or with the church, my strength and my hope has perished from the Lord. Don't, don't think that God's your enemy. Again, believe his word more than you believe his, uh, before you believe your head. And um, the word of God is full of promises that God loves us if we trust Jesus just have to trust him. And he gives, a, he gives an example here, he gives a little illustration. He says, imagine there was a, a general and, an, and his army fighting the enemy and on the horizon, more troops appear for the enemy. And one of the privates says, we're doomed, we're done, this is it, we're gonna die. The general will say to him, Stop being a traitor. While we can wield our swords, we are not done. We are not doomed. And he says it's not, it's not for every private soldier on every danger to make, make judgment on the battle. That's the work of the general. Jesus Christ is the captain of our salvation. He is undertaking the leading and conduct of our souls through all difficulties. Our duty is to trust him and to fight and contend. One last thing and then <laughs> I will be done. And this one's really lovely. It says, lay hold of every appearance of grace. You're in the depths, you feel utterly lost. He says, well, imagine, imagine you're on a ship in a storm and there, and there are a bunch of sailors, I'm not a sailor, but imagine there are a bunch of sailors and one of the sailors thinks that maybe he has spotted land. And it's the only land that you've seen and you don't even know if it is land. Well. What will you do if you're in a storm that's raging and there doesn't seem to be any other hope? What you will do is you will make course for that land. And he says, well, if you're in a storm and, and it appear, Christ appears to you, but you don't know if it's Christ and you don't know if he, you, you have the smallest sense of his forgiveness, but you're not sure. If there is an intimation of grace and pardon in it, the remotest discovery of some relief, this may be Christ, it may be forgiveness. This is enough to carry it, to steer its course constantly that way. Press forward to him, which will give you rest. In the end, what choice do we have with eternity looming but to trust the Lord Jesus? Whatever our discouragements be, we must cast ourselves upon the pardon that is in the blood of Jesus. If every other way will fail, there is one way left to us, but to and that is to improve every encouragement, even the least to that purpose. Sorry, I've not said that very well, but I hope that makes sense. I hope that makes sense. If you get a glimpse of Jesus, <laughs> if you like, in his word, or an encouragement from his word, oh, I'll be like, Lord, thank you so much. Help me to believe this and keep doing that until you come safely home.